Are you interested in learning more about a scientific approach to evaluating teaching? Then join us for this episode of The Teaching Lab, in which Dr. Sarah Eddy tells us about the development of a classroom observation tool known as Portal. Portal provides a suite of easy-to-implement and evidence-based elements that allow instructors to objectively document their progress toward adopting more effective teaching methods. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Teaching Lab. I am your host, Angela Bauer. Each week, I will keep you current on the latest findings regarding teaching and learning innovations that foster deep learning and inclusivity in your classrooms. Whether you are currently a busy STEM professor or an aspiring academic, this convenient on-the-go professional development podcast promises to keep you at the top of your teaching game. Welcome, Dr. Eddy, to the Teaching Lab podcast. It's so great to have you with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. I was hoping you could start and share a bit about yourself with our listeners in terms of your institutional affiliation and your teaching and research interests. Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Sarah Eddy. I'm an assistant professor at Florida International University, which is in Miami. Um, it's one of the largest universities in the country, although no one's heard of us. Um, we're, we are the largest Hispanic-serving institution in the country. Uh, my my pathway into education research is a little convoluted. I'm a deeper researcher, so a discipline-based education researcher. So I earned my PhD in a scientific discipline. So I earned it in biology. And as I was doing my PhD, I got involved in TA training and and a program um, was being developed to really formally train TAs in how to teach. It was a year long program. And so I worked with that program, helped develop it and realized I really had a passion for this, and I really felt like it could make a difference in the world, whereas my my research on salamanders, while salamanders are awesome and important, they're, <laughs> it's not life-changing, right? Uh-huh. So I wanted to do something that would make a change in the world, and so I did a postdoc in education research um, at the University of Washington and really focused on taking a method of doing active learning called high structure and seeing if what worked at this R1 institution in the Pacific Northwest could work at a community college, could work at a comprehensive university, could work at an R1 at another area of the country, right? So trying to see how it worked with other groups of students. And we learned a lot about how you have to adapt things and change things to make things work in their institutional context. Um, After that, I became an evaluator for the College of Natural Sciences at UT Austin um, using things like Portal, this classroom observation tool we're going to talk about to evaluate um, all all the departments in the College of Natural Sciences, among other things. Um, And then I came to FIU. So a little bit of a convoluted path, but I got here. That's wonderful. So uh, speaking as someone who has been a big fan of your scholarship of teaching and learning research, um, thank you for all the work that you've done to help us learn much more about fostering deeper learning within our classrooms. It's it's greatly appreciated. So which brings me to um, the topic of of this podcast, which is Mm -hmm. uh, assessing what's happening within the classroom in in terms of teaching and learning best practices. So um, we're very interested in learning more about Portal. So could you begin by telling us about what compelled you to conduct 
this work on the evaluation of teaching? What led to the development of Portal? Yeah, it was exactly this idea of taking this one form of doing active learning and bringing it into different spaces with different instructors that made me realize we really need a way to compare what instructors are doing in the classroom so that I could say, yes, they're doing similar things or no, they're not. And that might be why we're seeing differences. So the motivation was to be able to I don't want to say control for differences between instructors, but acknowledge differences between instructors in experiments, right? And yeah. so Portal was really meant to be something that also was an education tool. So it was intended to kind of break down the education research into simple bullet points that people could think about when they're thinking about how they implement active learning in their classroom. And so that was really a second goal, was to make the education research a little more accessible. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give a shout out to your publication about Portal in, in Life Sciences Education. It's, it's really wonderful in terms of providing a comprehensive lit review of what do we really know about the impact of active mm -hmm. learning, what aspects of active learning are most important for, for student learning. Mm -hmm. So that's a wonderful uh, reference for our listeners, which I will be referencing in the show notes so that they can check it out mm -hmm. later if they have not Great. already. A lot of institutions right now are, are focusing on assessing teaching. A lot of institutions actually that thus far have not engaged in any sort of formative evaluation of teaching by peers. Um, a lot of institutions, in fact, still rely on student course evaluations uh, for assessing what's happening within the classroom. And of course, those then come into play when it's time for tenure and promotion. And um, as of late, there have been many publications coming out that indicate to us that just solely relying on student course evaluations is not the best route to take in terms of evaluating teaching. Could you comment a bit on that and, and if perhaps that played into your desire to develop Portal? Yeah, so student evaluations of teaching are, I do think, an important part of how we evaluate teaching. Students have a perspective, they have an experience in the classroom, and we need to understand that, right? But students, and all of us, also come to the table with biases that play out when we're asked to evaluate things. And so there's a lot of evidence of gender bias, of racial bias, and even of people's use of English in the classroom and how aligned that is with what students are used to. These biases play in and they don't actually have to do with how the person is as a teacher. It has to do with how a student perceives that person through the lenses of everything they have going on in their heads, right? And so to solely rely on student evaluations as your one form you know, your one way to evaluate teaching is dangerous, especially as we try to diversify the professoriate. It is an important piece. Again, the students have a voice. They should have a voice, but it should be one piece of a more complex package. As you and your colleagues set out to develop an evidence-based method for evaluating teaching, namely Portal, why did you choose to focus on active learning? We focused on active learning because there was already a lot of evidence that that, at least in large lecture courses, um, was making an impact for students. And there was a lot of interest in it from instructors. But what we were seeing is that, you know, you would talk to someone about what they were doing and they would say, I use clickers, right? So there was this conflating of the tool that they were using and how they were using it. And so you can use clickers well and you can use clickers 
poorly. And so we wanted to really explore how these things were being implemented in the classroom and really, again, provide a guide for people um, that was evidence-based on ways they could implement active learning in their classrooms. There are four different dimensions of practice on which Portal focuses. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about those different dimensions of practice and how you went about choosing those? So we started by doing a big lit review. We were reading papers in the education research literature. We were reading papers in the cognitive sciences. And we were just looking for studies that, that tested one element of teaching, which actually was surprisingly hard to find. When a, a lot of the interventions we were seeing, instructors would change multiple things at the same time. And you couldn't actually say, OK, what was the one thing we could pull out of this to make a recommendation? But we did find papers that do that, and those are the papers that Portal are based on. Once we had those, we kind of looked at what was being tested. We found four sort of dimensions under which we could organize all of that to test whether those dimensions were valid or other people could see them and make sure it wasn't just us. We had seven other education research people also try to align the practices by the dimensions, and they also came to the same spot. So it, we got some evidence to support that it wasn't just our perspective. So the first dimension is practice, and the goal there was just to measure the amount and the quality of the practice during class. And under each of those dimensions, there's several critical elements. So different ways you could think about practice or different ways you could do practice in the classroom. The second one we were calling logic development, which was really focused on higher order thinking skills and attempts to develop those in the classroom and what that could look like. The third and fourth dimension are related to each other. When you do active learning, when you do activities in class, you need the students to engage in them or else they're not gonna get anything out of them. So the third dimension is accountability. So creating accountability structures is one way to encourage participation. Fourth dimension is apprehension redu reduction. So reducing fear or hesitation about engaging in those activities. So both of those are really about getting students involved in the class. How did you then go about taking these dimensions of practice and translating them into something that was quantifiable? That's a great question. That was um, probably the hardest part. So reading through the papers, seeing what they focused on, seeing how they said what they said they were looking for or what in particular their manipulation was, was kind of the way we tried to go about that. We also had to use a bit of imagination to think about there are multiple different ways that you could see that play out in the classroom. So again, this was one of the moments where we needed uh, validity outside of our own perspectives. We also went to the, the other education researchers for this and said, okay, here's our dimensions and what the paper said, here's how we think it would look in the classroom. Do you agree that this could be a way to measure this? And we got pretty high agreement on those, over 90% for most of them. Let's say I am a department chair and I'm thinking of implementing Portal within my department or at least having some faculty test out mm -hmm. Portal as part of their teaching portfolio in terms of assessing their, their teaching mm -hmm. uh, to put it as part of their file when it comes time for tenure and promotion. Tell me how much of an investment of time this would be for a faculty member. First of all, for the faculty member who's being observed, but also mm -hmm. then I'm assuming that faculty member perhaps would be involved with assessing some of their peers' teaching as well. 
it takes some time. I'm going to be honest about that. So we have a training manual. We've done trainings, essentially eight hours, where we go through the manual, and then there's three training videos that people can use to practice on. We use Bloom's Taxonomy, which is a, a measure of the cognitive tasks that questions are asking students to do. So we do some training on Bloom's Taxonomy in the manual. We have each person watch videos and score them themselves, but then you also have to norm with other people. That's a big part of Portal. You have two observers, each watching the same class, and then they come to consensus. Once you're trained, I highly recommend videotaping the classes so that you have a reference to go back to. Some people have said they can do Portal in real time. I cannot do Portal in real time. So I need a video. You watch it and portal is a continuous measure. So every time an activity starts, you write down the time, you write down when it finishes, and then you mark off all the characteristics of the activity. Even just watching a class, depending on how much active learning is in there, how many activities. And by activities, we just mean anytime students answer a question or, or engage in a problem. The more of those there are, the longer portal takes because you kind of pause the video, you write more stuff, and uh -huh. then you keep going. Some classes you can do, you know, in the length of a class, like 50 minutes, but some of them can take, you know, time and a half if there's a lot going on. It is a little bit time intensive. Uh, I do think one of the things I really appreciate about Portal, having used it quite a bit at this point, is it's really easy to train undergrads on it. And so I've used undergrad observers for all the work that I've done with it, and they do really well. Like That's we just interesting. We norm, right? You've mm -hmm. got to keep norming with them. Sure. So meeting, you know, once every two weeks, watch a video together, make sure we're we're still aligned. They do really well with it. That's interesting. And that was part of your method for validating Portal. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. You employed some undergraduates to engage in the classroom observations and yep. so forth. So, okay. Yeah, trying to see how quickly novices could get up to speed with it. Yeah. Is there yeah. one mode that you prefer? I mean, do you think it's better to, to not have faculty doing the observations or does it not matter in your opinion? I don't, I don't think it matters. I think that faculty have a lot of things on their plate, and so thinking about ways to lighten that load is valuable. Sure, sure. So the resources that you mentioned, the manual and the videos, are those available for people who are interested in implementing Portal? How could they go about accessing those? They are. So I believe that they are in the supplements of the original paper, but we've actually updated Portal as I've used it more based on feedback from the observers saying, oh, you know, you measure this here, but it happened here. Trying to make sure we're giving more flexibility to the way people implement active learning. Those updated versions right now, you'd have to reach out to me and I'll respond. But hopefully by the time this podcast is up, I will have updated my website and had <laughs> um, a resources page for Portal added to it okay. so that I don't even have to reach out. That would be great. Thank you. So what have been some of the snags or pitfalls with implementation of Portal? What are some problems that are commonly encountered? It's time consuming. Tools like COPUS, which is another classroom observation tool, or the TDOP, which COPUS is derived from, can be done in real time. And, and I, again, just don't feel comfortable as an observer doing portal in real time. So getting videos of people is harder than having observers in the classroom. People are, in general, it seems like, 
I meet with a little more resistance for that idea than me just sitting in their class. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about, the comfort level of participants. Another thing is Portal has a lot of elements, and that can feel overwhelming to people as well. That isn't really something we can get around, but it is something that I acknowledge. There's a lot going on in Portal. I've had pretty good luck with it. The entering data also is time consuming. We're, we're hoping to, to get an app developed where you don't have to take written notes and then add it to Excel, which is currently what we're doing, which is cumbersome, but we don't have that app created yet. So before we began recording the podcast, we had talked a bit about evaluating teaching, you know, and how important a component that is of tenure and promotion decisions. Of course, peer evaluation of teaching, ongoing formative evaluation of teaching by peers is an important part of that with Portal, but you had mentioned what in your mind you felt was sort of the trifecta of of teaching evaluation. Could you comment on that? Sure. So again, I'm at Florida International University and we are going through a process of changing how we evaluate teaching recognizing that the student voice is important, but shouldn't be the only one. And so we're focusing on the student, the self, which is like a self-reflection or an opportunity to talk about all the things that you're doing around your teaching that might not be visible from a classroom observation. So say you've been working on developing writing props. And so an observer may not realize how much work and effort has actually gone into that. It's a chance for you to talk about all your thinking that's been going around with your teaching. The third voice is a peer. So that could be a peer observation, that could be peers working together to improve their classes together, doing a learning community, all kinds of things. But again, getting the student's voice, the peer's voice, and your own voice into your teaching evaluation gives us a much more holistic picture of everything that's going on with your teaching. In closing, I always like to ask my guests about one of their best teaching moments. Do you have one that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I have, um, I teach an inquiry course that's kind of an introduction to research, and I do a reflection assignment at the very end of the semester where I ask them, what did you think research was when you started, and, and what do you think about it now? And I got this amazing res- response that I'm very proud of, where a student said, You know, I used to think that research was boring because when you watch TV, you know, they call in someone and they say, we need this done, but then they don't show you how it's done. Mm -hmm. They just show you the results. So that said to me that everything being done in science was boring and not worth showing. Through this course, he's realized that the research is creative. It's an opportunity to explore new avenues. And he really got into it. And actually now the student does research with me. So that was one of my favorite moments, was realizing that we can have an impact and really change how students view the world in different ways. Sure, and you were able to then share, you know, what you're passionate about with, with respect to being a scientist. So that's a great story. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Eddy, and sharing more about Portal as a method of of assessing what's happening within the classroom. And for our listeners, I wanted you to know that the resources and also this publication on Portal will be referenced in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've learned something new that will inform your teaching and ultimately be of benefit to your students. If you have an idea for a future show topic, please contact us at the Teaching Lab Podcast at gmail.com. Meanwhile, 
Join us in two weeks when we will feature the work of another leading STEM teaching innovator.